Welcome to the program, everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Psychotic Bump School post-midterm election day. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight, wow, we're going to be continuing our coverage of the 2022 midterm elections. And oh my gosh, have the developments been startling. And well, they're startling to some people, but not to me. Look, so far, votes are still being counted, y'all. The Democrats are already projected to maintain control of the Senate. The House races are still being counted and the drama and the saga continues. There's been a massive underperformance of the Republican Party in areas where they thought they would win, and Democrats, by contrast, are overperforming. It has been one of the most historic and legendary party holds in the history of presidential administrations. What Joe Biden's administration is doing right now is nothing short of amazing. So we're going to be talking about that with our panel uh, some are returning from last week, including Jeffrey Keller, Lori Peacock, and the good brother Nicholas Mays out of Flint, Michigan. We're also going to be joined this evening by Casey Phillips-Brown, licensed clinical social worker in Southern California. We're also going to be talking about a number of things, man. We're going to be talking about uh, relationships and the uh, support of Black men in politics, of Black women. We're going to be talking about what's happening in Georgia with the Stacey Abrams race and her uh, coming up short against Brian Kemp. And we're going to be talking about relationships in general. So it's going to be an amazingly full show. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show after this. We have the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since Harry Truman, since presidential polling happened, and there wasn't a red wave. That is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. That is a searing indictment of the message that we have been sending to the voters. They looked at all of that and said, and looked at the Republican alternative and said, no thanks. That is, that is a the Republican Party needs to do a really deep introspection look in the mirror right now because this is this is an absolute disaster. Paid the cost to be the boss. Paid the cost to be the boss. I paid the cost to be the boss. Look at me, you know what to see. Look at me, you know what you see, you see a bad mother, paid the cost to be the boss, paid the cost to be the boss, I paid the cost to be the boss, look at me, you know what you see. Be the boss. 
told you so. Having fun, got money fun. 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 Got paid the cop, be the boss. Okay, we are back. KCWG, thetruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we are coming off a monumental hold uh, of a midterm election for 2022. That's right. The long anticipated midterm elections are in the bag. Uh, as far as people casting votes, the votes are now being counted. Uh, the Senate has been taken off the table and we have a determination made in the Senate uh, given the results that came across over the weekend. The House is still undetermined. I'm going to get all off into that, but the uh, midterm elections have already uh, produced some historic outcomes that were previously unprecedented, and we're going to be talking about that too. Uh, I have an amazing panel here again. Uh, someone that, that's here this time wasn't able to join us last week, but she's been a returning champ, and we got our good brother from Michigan back. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back our panel. We have Lori Peacock, Casey Phyllis Brown, and Jeffrey Keller out of California, and our good brother out of Flint, Michigan, the swing state where there truly was a blue wave. <laughs> the good brother Nicholas Mays is back. Jeffrey, Casey, Lori, Nicholas, are you in the house? Yep, yep. I thought there yes, would sir. be way more enthusiasm than that. Are y'all all right? <laughs> yeah, man. There was a lot of nerves going into the election last week. Y'all still nervous? How y'all feeling now? Really? I'm the only one that really? <laughs> I was not expecting this. Y'all, the Democrats held the Senate. Now it was Ooh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. My yes, prediction go. was accurate. I was right. You were I right. feel good about that. Hey, I, I need to look up Pollyanna. I never saw Pollyanna. I guess I'll have to add that movie to the list after Sparkle. <laughs> but <laughs> I, you said you were going to be Pollyanna-ish by keeping the faith and saying that they were going to hold both chambers, right, Lori? Yes, uh, yes. She, the, she was very, very positive, very optimistic. She invented the glad oh. game. So, you know. The glad game? That, the glad game. So it was a movie I was raised on, Pollyanna. So that's, I guess it's dating me. But yes, it's a very very positive outlook on uh, on life 
Okay. Probably well, only, you know, something that only little white blonde girls can experience. But um, well, it, it applies here because I, I had a feeling you were uh, on point with that. That's why I joined you in saying that the Democrats would hold both chambers. But uh, there was a blue wave in the state of Michigan. Now, all due respects to Florida. Uh, I have my questions about that state. Uh, there was a red wave in Florida, but the blue wave showed up in Michigan. Nicholas Mace, uh, what are your thoughts, good brother? We had you here last week and going into the election, you were very cautiously optimistic at best, right? Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts as we stand today, good brother? Mr. Nicholas Mays out of Flint, Michigan. I believe it's huge. It's a, it's a, it's a big movement. I believe they said it's been something like, what, 40 years, almost 40 mm -hmm. years since this happened. Yep. So it it was it was major, and and it's got a, a lot of people excited, you know, about what what the turn is going to be. Oh man, I, I'm guessing that there's a huge sigh of relief out there. You guys have overtaken the House in Michigan. You overtook the Senate. Your governor won. A uh, big Gretch, they call it Gretchen Whitmer. Held yeah. the line, bro. Defended off Tudor Dixon. All those mega candidates went down and they went down hard and i think the house they they got their first black male speaker of the house for the very first time i'm going to look up that brother's name it's joe something uh but they got their first black speaker of the house ever in the state of michigan that is a blue wave in the state of michigan brother you got to be feeling better about things now yeah definitely it's just it shows change it, it's something that you know some people don't believe because i you know, like I said, for decades, you know, so long, you don't believe it's possible, but it's just showing change. It has to happen eventually. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing. It sure is. Uh, let's go to Casey Phillips Brown. You weren't here last time. And uh, Jeff and Lori, I'm going I'm to come to you in just a second, too. What did the media get wrong? Because Lori, I know Lori was Pollyannishly optimistic. <laughs> I was optimistic, too. But the, the media missed it, and they were just saying red wave, red wave, red wave, right, Casey? What did the media get wrong, and why do you think the Democrats did as well as they did so far? Well, first of all, I, I highly respect and am, am grateful that you're going to see Sparkle before Pollyanna, even okay. though <laughs> it's going to make sure we get your priorities straight. Good, good. Got to, um, got to. But I was uh, watching a, a clip with Michael Moore, and he called this, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he, he said that um, people were thinking that white women um, or yeah, or maybe just women were going to put gas prices and inflation before reproductive rights mm -hmm. and that we were counting them out um, to a certain extent. And I know there were some issues where they didn't come through completely, but I think uh, that was something that maybe people got wrong. Also, I think we, we, we really uh, rely too much on social media and what said, 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 and who are the people who are just quietly sitting back and gonna come out and just bam, go to the voting polls. Yep. Like, I don't think we're getting the accurate account of what's going on from social media. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I believe she's right, Jeffrey Keller. Come on in, then I'm gonna turn to Lori because I think that they grossly underestimated that people on the Democratic side, voters in general, are a little bit more savvy and nuanced than just single issue voters. And women are certainly not gonna put the price of a loaf of bread over the freedom of their own bodies, right? Lori, stand by. Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, this is, that was a great uh, push by the Supreme Court by that decision. And it you know, motivated uh, women to get out there. 
Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of the people that are doing these polls must be older and thinking it's 2010, year 2000. Um, mm. But these, these young voters, you know, they got out and, and did their thing. They sure did. They sure did. Lori, remember a couple of weeks ago, I showed Jeff and you the clip from Harvard, that Harvard study that showed all those youth voters and how they were mobilizing and getting registered and preparing and building up their excitement to vote. They showed up along with the Hispanic turnout, historic for this election. And Lori, you called it, uh, Miss Pollyanna herself. Where do you stand with uh, the Senate now in the bag? Lori Peacock, what are your thoughts? Well, I had to take a stand one way or the other, and I was believing in that power of positive thinking. You know, like maybe if I manifest it, put it out there in a positive way, it will become true, mm -hmm. even though I knew in the back of my mind that it could happen either way. But it does restore a little bit of faith in me and in my fellow human being um, in this country that it wasn't the red wave, that it, it so easily could have been, that there are still some people out there that do think rationally and logically and... Um, Think about, you know, other human beings in a positive way and try not to dictate how they live their lives. So I'm encouraged, um, you know, as opposed to the way I felt when it was eight years ago when when uh, when Trump won. I mean, I just felt so, so discouraged. And even in the last election, when there's so many people still continue to vote for him, it did hurt my heart and it, and it confused me about my country and, and made me sad about my country. So this isn't, you know, a sweeping indication that all is well and wonderful, but it's definitely better than than it could have been. It has helped me feel a little bit better about the state of things. Well, I'm certainly glad to hear that. And we still have one more race to be determined in the Senate. Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker in, a, in uh, the state of Georgia are headed for uh, a runoff election coming on December 6th. And going into this general election, or coming out of it, I should say, Warnock was slightly ahead of Walker. Uh, that I think there was a third party spoiler in that race. So uh, most likely, uh, in all likelihood, one of them is going to get over 50% uh, for this runoff election come December 6th. And that will be the 51st seat. And Jeffrey Keller, uh, people have been talking a long time about Manchin and Cinema Man. And this idea that, you know, Manchin's nothing but a turncoat Republican, really in a democratic state. He's important because he is a Democrat in a deep red state. Uh, he finds a way to keep winning and he does vote for Joe Biden's policies for the most part, but he's been real stubborn like Kirsten Sinema over there in Arizona on certain issues. This 51st vote would put them uh, on the back burner. Wouldn't you say, Jeffrey Keller? Yeah, we, don't, we won't have to negotiate with, with uh, Munchin, 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 whatever his name Munchin. is. Munchin, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, we ain't got to negotiate with him backdoor deals to get him to uh, vote the way we need him to vote. So that's mm -hmm. very important. It's just like I told you last week, though, with her show, they love him in Georgia, man. He always like, no, no. I said, look, it, they love him and they will vote for him this, and just to have a Republican in there. That, I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. Whoever had the R behind the name in a two-person race, one of them is going to win, but one of them is going to run, too. And that's the problem with, with not having a lot of options. If you're not a Democrat or a Republican, uh, you're certainly not going to uh, find comfort, uh, perhaps, in either of these um, parties. But you got to choose a side and go, I always say. But here's the thing that people miss, too. And this is why I wasn't worried. I'm not worried at all. Because... They said the house was not even in reach, y'all. Mm -hmm. They said it wasn't even in reach. They got a shot.
it's down. It's going to come down to about the last seven or eight seats, give or take. Uh, Lauren Baber. I keep I don't never know how to say that woman's name, but she's kind of like Sarah Palin, but not in Alaska. <laughs> she's in Colorado and she's struggling. Uh, she's ahead. Last I checked by about a thousand votes over uh, Adam Frisch. And that was not supposed to be a competitive race at all. And the thing that people underestimated was that they thought people, especially women, see, this is what's crazy, Casey. They were saying women had lost their enthusiasm over time because that Dobbs de decision was too far in the past. That's like saying to black folks that, oh, no, we totally forgot about George Floyd during COVID. So we're not going to come out and vote in November. George Floyd, I think, happened over the summer of uh, 2020 uh, at the height of COVID. But I think I, it's fair to say that that issue was one of the ones that were very prominent when we had to go vote in 2020 to get Trump up out of there. So they underestimated that. They underestimated the fact that the Hispanic vote was going to show up because I don't know if y'all, they were saying that Hispanics were leaving the Democratic Party in droves. Droves. The only place that's happening is in Florida. I want to talk about Florida. I'm, I'm going to ask y'all something about Florida because I, I, I got questions, right? And then the other thing was like I was saying to Lori just a second ago, the youth vote showed up. How long have they been saying, Jeff, Nicholas, Casey, and Lori, that if the Democrats vote their numbers and engage the youth vote, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. I mean, even with, minus the youth vote, if the Democrats vote their numbers, the Republicans will have a very difficult time winning any fair election ever again. But if you engage that youth vote, which often tends to skew Democrat, you're in trouble. Turnout for the youth vote skyrocketed during this election. Numbers unprecedented. And so what they sharply misunderestimated, misunderestimated, misunderestimated and they misunderstood was this whole anti-MAGA thing is powerful. They don't want this, this, uh, you know, they don't want this autocratic stuff, man. They don't want this Trumpism stuff. They don't. This is not just Democrat. This is Democrat and Republicans rejecting this. And we saw signs of it early with the Kansas vote. They voted to uphold uh, the the right for a woman to choose a few months ago. In Alaska, speaking about Lauren Baybird in Colorado, Sarah Palin lost. So we were seeing signs of it beginning to happen, but the, the media ignored it. They kept trying to downplay it. But I got questions about Florida. Um, who thinks that what's happening in Florida is legit? Ron DeSantis won by, I think, like 20 percentage points over a Charlie Crist. It, it and, could be. Well, and then Val Demings, who's not, who's no slouch. She's no slouch. She gets trounced by Marco Rubio. Really? Now, who think, and it's funny, and, and this is the question. It's funny how when Republicans win, they never question those results. They're happy. They're out celebrating. They're like, see, told you the red wave was coming. But the minute a Democrat wins, all of a sudden it's cheating. Now, I got questions about this thing. California is still counting votes out here, and we're way bigger than Florida. Who amongst this panel here thinks that what's happening in Florida is legitimate? Is it I, that impossible for a Democrat to win in Florida? Uh, anybody who wants to take that one? Well, I don't. It's not that um, I don't think it's legitimate that it wasn't there was cheating. But I mean that um, they put so many voter suppression tactics in place before the election. Mm hmm. That it could have this. This is what the result could be. So it doesn't mean it's legitimate, 
But oh yeah, I might have won. But you you took away so many people's voting rights. You they yep. were doing all the scare tactics that we talked about in the previous um, panel that I was involved in with you. Um, there was just at least five, six, seven, eight different tactics of voter suppression that have been implemented within these last few years. So mm-hmm. a hatred and voter suppression pays off. Yeah, and not not only that, you know, uh, you have a lot of Cubans in, in Florida. A lot. And a lot of them vote Republican. And, you know, when they start putting a narrative about socialism and that, you know, they remember uh, Castro and they're like, no, nah, we, ain't, we ain't dealing with that. And so, you know, they know how to, to what narrative to say out there uh, in Florida to get that vote. The Florida has had its share of voter scandals over the decades. I mean, it's always something crazy going always. on in Florida. So it would not surprise me at all if there was something nefarious going on here uh, with the voting. And, 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 and as was mentioned, you know, obviously the voter suppression is real and that's going to impact it, but, but it would not surprise me at all if there was something really scandalous happening there. And, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of older people in Florida. I would think, you know, many of them would be, they, they vote, right? We know, we know that the, the elderly vote turns out and a lot of times they tend to be more conservative as well. So, mm. But I, all my friends who live in Florida are super cool and hip, and they hate all the legislation, and they hate the way that it is there. Um, they don't like DeSantis out there? Your friends? Mm-hmm, and especially the, the educational pieces, you know, what they're doing around legislation in the classroom, too. It's just, it's oh. crazy. They're crazy there. Yeah, they're banning books. Nicholas May's Banning books? Thoughts. Yeah, it's horrible. Because, Nicholas, how, how close is Flint to Detroit? Um, About a... It's about an hour distance. Okay. So like okay. maybe 50 miles, 50 to 60 miles. Okay. So I know you're not in Philly, but it's places like Detroit and Philly where most of the consternation with the 2020 elections were stemming from. When you have a, a voting block of black folks and the race is close or the Democrats went outright, now we got all these questions about the outcome and the, the electoral results. And I just think the silence is just strangely deafening that you don't hear jack from these Republicans when Republicans win these races. But, exactly. as, but as soon as uh, a Democrat is competitive, now it's a problem. Nicholas, what are your thoughts? I agree. I, I agree with what they're saying about the voter suppression is just. And, and when you speak on Florida, it's such a strong Republican pool in that area. You know, they're, they're, so, they're trying so hard to have control over all the areas and yeah. So they're just trying to prevent any way they can. And like you say, when it's when they're free flowing and everything is on their side, they have nothing to say. Nothing, nothing. It's like crickets. Here's why I think this is this is too funny, Monique, because they're sitting here whining and playing. But but, but the polls, the polls, I, I keep trying to explain to people polls are a snapshot. And the one thing that polls can never account for when people show up on Election Day, I go back to uh, in uh, 2008 when Obama lost New Hampshire. And people like, I remember on CNN, Lou Dobbs go, well, everybody was wrong. No, if you actually look at the numbers, Obama actually got the actual number the polls were indicating, but you can't predict a surge of voters on election day. And what we saw yesterday was a surge of women voters, a surge of young voters. We saw in places a surge of black voters, and that's what happened. And they're just mad that th- what what they predicted and what they were trying to force on everybody else, the country said, uh, y'all can go to hell. They lo- 
Democrats cleaned up in gubernatorial races. Democrats now control the legislature in Michigan, in Minnesota. They flipped. We're going to talk to uh, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta in a second. They flipped the House. A black woman is now about to be the Speaker of the House in Pennsylvania. And that's for all you punk asses out there who said don't vote. That's why you actually vote. Lena Hidalgo beats back $9 million in Harris County in Houston. Summer Lee beats back $3 million from APAC uh, in Pittsburgh. You have progressive DAs who were elected. You had a racist uh, sheriff in Massachusetts who was thrown out because folks voted. They are just mad that America has rejected crazy-ass MAGA people.
Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was a good brother, Mr. Nicholas Mays out of Flint, Michigan. We're also joined by Casey Phillips Brown, Jeffrey Keller, and Lori Peacock out of California. We're having a follow up to the midterm elections as we continue to count votes. The Senate is now with the Democrats once again. Uh, the race between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker is headed to a runoff election on December 6th. So make sure that you send your money, get your money up, and uh, let's go get involved with this race too. Uh, we also have the House races still outstanding. Uh, I think I had just said right before we started, another race was just called, uh, by the time listeners hear this, uh, a smaller district in Colorado was called, and it was a considered a Democrat pickup. Uh, the candidate is Caraveo in Colorado's 8th district. Uh, his race has been called, apparently. And so that's another Democratic pickup for the House and the race that is really making headlines is the third district of Colorado of said uh, Adam Frisch and Lauren Baybert's district. Baybert, of course, is the incumbent. She's very Trumpist, very MAGA, and people didn't expect her to have such a close and contested race. A lot of the outstanding ballots are coming from overseas, from the military. Uh, there's some late uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, I forgot to mention in Arizona where Katie Hobbs and um, Carrie Lake is also going down to the wire. They're giving voters a chance to cure their ballots. So when they're talking about curing ballots, that means there's some kind of technical problem with the ballots. Maybe a signature didn't match, or maybe they forgot to uh, seal it. I don't know, but something with the ballots and it's maybe 1000 of them, I think is the count in Arizona. They're gonna give voters a chance to cure those ballots. And so those ballots will be in fact be counted. And so we may not know the outcome of that race in Arizona, still yet for another few days. But again, it's not looking so hot for uh, Republicans. Uh, one of the funniest things before we take a break, and then uh, I wanna get y'all's opinion on this on the other side. One of the more interesting developments <laughs> uh, was the uh, infighting that started to ensue as a result of this electoral outcome. Watch this clip right here from someone that you all know very well. Uh, I'm not saying she's a friend to this show at all, but this is uh, Ms. Candace Owens, who just had a run-in with the former occupant of the White House, Donald Trump. Stand by. And here's the great irony, the richest irony. The Daily Beast ran a headline regarding that live Instagram that you just heard from me. And the headline was, Candace Owens says Trump is pro-vax because he's too old to understand the internet. I never once called Trump too old. I did never want to that Trump could not understand the internet. And yet somehow he got that information and believed it to be true. He thought that I said that he was too old and that he couldn't understand the internet and did not quite get the information that actually what I was saying was a defense of him so that his supporters would still believe in him. Not only was he just mad, by the way, he then during a golf session with some mutual friends of ours had a person next to him who was egging this on saying to Trump, and I know this because, again, this is a mutual friend, aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? And eventually he was like, yeah, I'm so mad at Candace. I'm so mad at Candace. And this got back to me that he was upset with me, that he was angry at me. And the next time that I saw him, he was quite rude to me. He was actually rude to me. I'm telling you this personal story because I think it is something that made me for the first time question him as a person. So you have an individual that spent years defending you, right? And that individual gave you a completely kind and fair interview. 
you said something yourself that your base didn't like, and you somehow transformed that into something that I did wrong. That's unacceptable. That is, that is not being a leader. That is not owning things that you did wrong. That is not owning that you misunderstood something about your base. That's not growing. That's not developing. In fact, he should have tried to understand why the base was so upset with him, which would have led him to the fact that his base is not pro-COVID vaccine. It's that simple. All right. So when the knives come out from your own side, you know you got some problems. That was Candace Owens. She's a, a conservative influencer, uh, long known to be a Donald Trump supporter and down with MAGA. Uh, even she is finally starting to see the light. I just got to get y'all's take on that. Uh, I want to hear from Jeffrey Keller first, because th this is hilarious. Uh, if you had seen the tweet over the weekend from a conservative commentator, Ann Coulter, who told Trump to have a thousand seats, basically told him to F off. I mean, I mean, it's crazy, man. They are so mad at Trump right now, dude. They say that they are losing because of him. And she said it, it, it took this, him being personally rude to her. Now she suddenly sees he's not a good person. Now she suddenly sees that he, he, he's untoward toward people and uses them for his own purposes. It's hilarious to me. Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the fall is great, isn't it? Man, when you go out and you uh, support people and you go speak on them and they get their tails whipped mm. and you got made a lot of enemies, but they couldn't say nothing because you're on top and it looked like you was the head of the party. And now you're not. You watch how many people go after them now. Do you think that's, that's a fair politics. critique? Yeah, it may, man, they call it politics, too. Is anyone else surprised by this, the irony of this? Uh, let's bring Lori Peacock back in here, because I think all of us are familiar with Candace Owens, right? She has long been a thorn in the side of any sensible voter, and she has been part of this movement called uh, Blexit. Y'all remember Blexit? When Brexit was happening in the UK, she came up with this thing called Blexit, trying to get black folks to leave the other uh, Democratic Party because she calls it the Democratic plantation. You know how they say. But even she, just like Omarosa before her, uh, who knows, Diamond and Silk might be next. But she's <laughs> not Diamond and Silk. <laughs> Man, I'm serious. They're all coming. They're all they got knives for Donald Trump now in the Republican Party. They're saying, hmm maybe we shouldn't be hanging on to this guy anymore. You think he's cost them three elections, Lori, Casey and Nicholas. I mean, it's if a, this doesn't take it, what's it going to take? It's a little late and cry me a damn river. I am so not sorry that you feel affronted by your man that you have supported all throughout all of these years, like a freaking idiot. And mm. then now you're like, oh, he's really not that great a guy because <gasps> he was mean to me. He was mean he was to me. me. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, excuse me, but we don't care about anybody else because that's their thing, right? It's all about me and what's best for me and what I want and my needs. And it's not about the other person. It's not about helping out their fellow human being. So yeah, I just, mm -mm, no, I don't feel sorry. And I'm not, I'm not surprised because as Jeffrey mentioned, it's a sinking ship and he is not in power anymore. And they are able to do that. Where were they? Where were they three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, saying these things, they weren't saying anything. So now all of a sudden, now, all of a sudden, it's, you know, he's not so great because they rode that wave and now it's mm -hmm. over and they're going to jump on another one. Right. Right. And where's that wave going to come from, uh, Casey Phillips Brown? Because this is a resounding uh, electoral outcome. 
this was not supposed to happen. And people jumping ship like Candace is trying to do, like Lori said. I mean, at this point, I mean, Charlottesville wasn't enough for you. Uh, COVID wasn't enough for you. You're finally starting to see that this guy is not good for America. This guy and his movement has been rejected not once, not twice. Now, three repudiations in a row from voters in this country that's saying we're not standing for this. And we, we tired of playing with y'all. This is what I'm trying to get y'all. It's, it's like I want. I'm sorry, Casey, I'm going to turn it to you in just a second. But see, I want we need to be angry, not angrier, but we need to be more confident in our side. We we not only have data on our side, we not only have the truth and facts on our side, but we not plan. Democrats are not perfect. I'm not even down with Democrats like that. But in the in the country where only it's supposed to be a two party system and only one of them is functioning like adults. Come on, man. It's pretty clear. And so I think if we just realize that people on a certain side of this electorate have a, a better understanding and grasp of the facts and the, the facts that the democracy really has to be upheld despite, you know, which party wins. We need to be more bold about that. Casey, I'm just ranting right now, but what are your thoughts on what Candace Owens had to say? You're familiar with some of her rhetoric in the past, right? So, so you took your snake outside and your snake bit everybody up and down the block. You bit the well. little kids the big kids it bit the old kids it bit latinos it's after it bit everybody oh now you take back in the house and advice you and your man you're outraged mm. <laughs> come on wow. i mean you cannot be surprised and it's really i think it's fake outrage what it is is they're noticing he's doing nothing for us he got us what we needed to get i was watching something uh this morning what is it they said um the big tax was it the tax break he did something that everyone was very excited about, right? He was able to um, meet one of the needs of Republican parties. But at Tax this cuts. point, they no longer need him. Mm -hmm. So they're jumping on the Ron uh, DeSantis train. And so everybody's going to throw him under the bus. She's trying to be one of the first ones, maybe, so that she can get a good spot on the new train. People are going to be mm. on your side until they no longer need you. Wow. The DeSantis train coming next, Nicholas and Lori. What are your thoughts on that? Because uh, they say that he's just a smarter version of Donald Trump, but essentially, because he's a little bit more politically astute, uh, he stands to pose a bigger threat. Uh, any, uh, how do you feel about what Casey just said in terms of people like Candace jumping off the ship only to hat, uh, latch their their wagon, hitch their wagon to another disaster? Nicholas Mays, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I totally agree with her. It's, it goes back to what we we're saying about the whole Republican mindset they have they they're living in a fantasy world where they think everything is going to go their way so they may have seen these problems in the past but they they overlooked it because you know everything is going our way you know everything is going to go like we want so instead of addressing it i'm, I'm on the win-win side so i won't say anything mm. and now that the chips started to fall and the, the house is crumbling oh well they did me wrong or this person did you yep. know so it's now they want to blame each other because they couldn't hold each other up. They they didn't realize they weren't invincible. So now they're going against one another. Wow. I'm wondering how swift or steep this fallout's going to be, uh, Lori, because basically uh, they're still up the camp. They're still in the camp with election deniers. And uh, as the Senate you know, continues to run its course in terms of race completions, uh, people like Candace are going to face a reckoning because if she's still going to align herself with people like this and they continue to not concede 
defeat. Uh, they're going to continue to double down on this MAGA stuff. Uh, it's going to continue to present some problems. Lori Peacock, what are your thoughts? Yes, well, they knew what a creep Trump was when they voted for him, but they didn't care, right? They didn't care about his infidelity. They didn't care about his scandal. They didn't care about him making fun of, of handicapped people. They didn't care about him saying horrible things because they it was all about their bottom line and taxes, right? Like, there's a couple things that Republicans are really passionate about. One of those is not paying taxes. And, uh, and, and the other one is morality, right? Religion and, and, and what you should or should, shouldn't do with your, with, your, with your own personal self. So, you know, what came down to it, it was about money. And he delivered that for them, like you said. So they don't need him anymore. And absolutely, they're going to jump onto the next bandwagon or bandwagon that they think is going to be effective for them to, again, make money, save money, not have to pay money to the government. And they're going to do whatever they have to do to, to continue to survive. The good news is, is that I do think there are more of us than them. And that, you know, that we continue to, to, if we continue to show up and we continue to, at heart, yeah. Um, I, I think that, I think we can make, make some strides and make some differences and, and get, get to a country we can all be proud of. I don't know if that'll happen in my lifetime, but, you know, I really do hope that it, at some point it does happen. This is encouraging, like I said, because it's not, we didn't, we didn't go back into the Trump era. You know, we're, we're trying to step away from that. And mm. so, you know, whatever that next era is going to be, I don't know. He, he, he changed us. I mean, he, he scarred our country mm. in, in ways that I don't know that we can recover from. And, yeah. um, and, and what that recovery is going to look like. But you know, he did bring a lot of people together as well. Essentially, he's made, I mean, yeah, you're right. In some strange way, you're right, right? He did make America great by being so extreme and he's united an entirely new coalition great. against him. Great that point. is now comprised of Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Hispanics, and yes, the youth vote. Uh, incredible. Uh, one last thing I'll say about this is that there's still the Warnock race. And I want to show you all something really quick. Uh, you can make your donations if you're into that kind of thing. You know, this is one that I support, the New Georgia Project. I've sent money to them before. They're always hitting me up. M remember uh, Casey and who was here? Was it Casey, Jeff? Uh, remember I told you that uh, Martin Sheen and Will Smith were hitting me up uh, for yeah. money a couple of weeks ago? I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't playing. Uh, Act Blue is, uh, this, see, this is a grassroots organization in Georgia. If you want to support the Raphael Warnock com campaign, yeah, you can send money to the DCCC and all these uh, larger Democratic um, campaigns or campaign financing projects or whatever. But New Georgia is down on the ground. Uh, it's basically a black owned movement. Uh, Stacey Abrams is definitely connected to it. Uh, speaking of Stacey, uh, I may have a thought or two to share about that race because she came up short against Brian Kemp. She's already conceded the race. Uh, but you can send in your money to the New Georgia Project. Uh, send your donations. Uh, Kendra Cotton is the chief operating officer, and you can send your donations. If you hit them up on Twitter, I know you could find their pages, but that's one. I think Georgia Stand Up is another one. But Grassroots organizations is where money is needed. Send your money, send your dollars. It doesn't matter how much it is. If you care about that 51st seat, because again, if you can neutralize Joe Manchin, now you have a chance at, I don't know, maybe expanding the Supreme Court. I don't know, maybe overturning the filibuster. 
I don't know, maybe getting the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I don't know, maybe getting anything that the Democrats have been fighting for. OK, but you need the votes to do it. And you're going to have to have some people that are aligned with that cause. We need that 51st vote. 50-50 is still control. Yes, it is. But we need to have a clear cut majority. 51 is still not enough, to be honest with you. But it's still one better than 50. And we need that vote. So if you care about this issue, it's not over. The runoff election is on December 6th. Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker. Uh, Jeffrey Keller's favorite candidate in this race. <laughs> uh, He's running on the CTE platform. <laughs> <laughs> the new Georgia project is a way that you can get involved. But this is KCWG, the truth.com. This program's called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. That was my good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. We're also joined by Nicholas Mays out of Michigan. Casey Phillips Brown is here as well as Lori Peacock. We're just chatting it up about this midterm election, how it's going, how it's rolling. Uh, we're still in the thick of it, y'all. And the House is still in play. Uh, very, very close contest remaining going down to the wire. I still maintain, along with Lori Peacock, that they're going to hold both chambers, y'all. And so if nothing else, this Senate outcome has given me even more fuel to that fire. But before I pivot to I wanted to talk a little Black Panther just a little bit. But before I do, there's an issue in Georgia with regard to uh, the gender split in support for Stacey Abrams. It was said uh, from some circles, not all, that not enough black men supported Stacey Abrams. Now, here we go. Right. Come uh, on now. Yeah. The fact that she came so close a few years ago when she first ran against Brian Kemp, she, only, she lost by a percentage point. And even if all the black men that supported Brian Kemp had flipped over to her, she still would have come up short. It is very hard to unseat a governor in a red state if you're a Republican. I mean, if you're running mm -hmm. as a Democrat, it's very hard to do. But the idea that not enough black men supported Stacey Abrams is a narrative that has gained some traction out in Georgia, Jeffrey Keller. Now, I want to ask the panel, just generally speaking, uh, Stacey Abrams came up short. Do you guys have any thought at all why that happened? Uh, even if you're not following elections closely, you probably in a passing manner may have been hearing about this race and have been hearing that she's been struggling. Uh, and by the way, Karen Bass is up. Did y'all hear about that in L.A.'s mayor's race? Karen yes. Bass is winning. She's she's starting to she's pulled back. She's come wow. back. And Rick Caruso is in trouble. Yeah, I bet, I bet you some brothers are supporting her. So what's what's this narrative all about? Can let me go to uh, Jeffrey. I'm going to start with you, Jeffrey Keller. But where where is this notion coming from that black men didn't support Stacey Abrams and have a problem supporting uh, black female Democrats in general? Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts? Well, in Georgia, I mean, 84 percent of black men voted for Stacey Abrams. Right. And so, you know, they they, they can't have that narrative. Um, but they, you know, they they always look at us as being lazy and don't care and don't support women issues and everything else. And and on hindsight, you know, sometimes we didn't. But in this case, that's not true. We did go out and support her. We did, and that. But yet, that narrative still persists, though. Eighty-four percent is nothing to sneeze at, because I know sisters supported her over ninety percent. But there's always a disparity in every demographic between the male and female vote. Men, did y'all know that men are generally, 
in terms of voting, they're always they have always been in every demographic more conservative than yep. women. Did y'all know that? No, mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, we generally, Nicholas, I mean, I know you see it out there because you said last yeah. time how much the district swing back and forth or the electorate swings back and forth between a red administration, a blue administration. Michigan is a swing state. So I, I know in your lifetime you've seen this, Nicholas. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with that. Brothers are more conservative, conservative, right? You've seen that too? And they even took a poll a few days ago. Yeah, go ahead. Because they even took a poll a few days ago that I saw in the black manosphere, Casey Phillips Brown, (laughs) (laughs) where it it posed the question, are liberal women um, less or more faithful than conservative men? And I don't have to tell you what the outcome of that one was. But just generally speaking, before we open that can, uh, what are your thoughts on this notion that black men don't support black female candidates enough in this uh, Georgia race in particular? Uh, let's go to Lori and then uh, Casey. Or right, let's go to Casey first and then Lori. No, you t- no, you you turned the camera on, so now you got to speak. That was an accident. No, was no, like, no. Now you got to come up to the mic. I was trying to, to put something in the chat. Well, well, what I was trying to put in the chat yes. <laughs> yes. was basically... Uh, um, there was a post recently that a lot of people were upset with Killer Mike because they felt like he came out uh-huh. and supported Kemp and that he had um, possibly, you know, not stolen, but basically took some votes away from Stacey. Oh, but again, okay. when you look at the statistics, 76% was it white men mm. voted for Kemp? Like, again, like you said, it, they can only do so much. Now, you asked another question why did you have a hard time? From mm-hmm. my understanding, people were upset about comments she made about um, something to do with the suburbs, with that she was going to make, um, I think it was the city more like the suburbs. And I think people didn't respond very well to that. And that mm. upset the base of the uh, the red um, voters. They mm. felt like, no, you're not gonna change how this, um, this, this state looks. Right, right. So Killer Mike is being scapegoated. I mean, I'm not down with Killer Mike by any stretch. But uh, I didn't realize that he was in the mix to that extent in Atlanta. I mean, I have since found out, but I didn't know uh, in the run up to this election that that his voice was quite as prominent because he was down with Bernie. And so, yeah, go ahead. um, Uh I got to bring this up because it's Mm -hmm. kind of weighing on me here. You're talking about Stacey Abrams and not getting the black male vote or not getting the male vote. Men in general are intimidated by women, especially black women, and don't necessarily, don't necessarily want women in power and, and, and don't feel like that's something that, that, they, that they feel right about. I mean, it's not, women's lib wasn't, you know, hundreds of years ago. It, it's, just, it's a new, it's, it's a re- relatively new thing still in our history. Men have dominated in all aspects of the world over time. So the fact that women are even getting any positions of power at all is pretty fantastic and amazing and wonderful. But there, there we have our limits, right? Because men will, will make sure that we stay where we're supposed to stay. So I, I have to say, you know, and especially as a black woman, we, we really don't get the, I don't know, the respect that the, the recognition that that we really deserve. And so it's a handful that rise to these levels these high levels of power but when they do they're 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 abhorred i mean look at kamala harris and how people can't stand her right like they cannot stand her and she is fantastic she's she's just she's just fantastic and wonderful but you know what 
She's a beautiful black woman in power. And that's scary for a lot of people, men and women, black and white. Interesting. Jeff and Nicholas, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't agree with that. man. Uh, I vote for women all the time. Shit. I don't, I don't care. If you can do the job, you can do the job. I mean, how many women you got in the Supreme Court? What, three or four? I mean, how many minority women do you have? Two or three? How many minority black men in the Supreme Court? One. I mean, it's mostly white men that are running stuff. Black men, though, we all get to run stuff. We've had one black president. There's one male, okay? But we're we not running stuff. That's not why Stacey Abrams lost, because the black male, because they were afraid. No, you had 84% vote for her. So they, they did care. So I, I get tired of that narrative where black men are afraid of black women being in power. No, we're not afraid of that. We Lori. want people to look like us to be in power. Mm. Lori? He's entitled to his opinion. We don't have to agree on everything. I disagree. <laughs> I, you know, I, he, he might be the, uh, the the exception. Again, like, you know, we're... We're obviously we're making generalizations. I'm not saying that it's every single man, just like I wouldn't say it was every single woman in certain situations. But what I am saying is that the reality exists that that men, women, of different races have issues with black women. Whether it's intimidation, whether it's disdain, whatever it might be, it's not open arms, welcome, loving, bring us in. It's not. So, I think um, I. I there's a certain thing about being turned off by certain aspects and personalities. I think that that could be uh, intrinsic to a, a lot of people. And, you know, black men are definitely capable of making those discernments. But intimidated, that's a pretty strong word in that um, th this is a common narrative that some black women feel that just because they have an opinion and a, a, a man may disagree that he's somehow intimidated by that. Uh, it's, there's a, a nice way to say things and a not so nice way to say things. And that's what is going to determine whether or not you're welcome with open arms. It's not your gender in most cases. It's just in your presentation. And if you do it with within the confines and you know, the, the parameters of, you know, common courtesy. I mean, that goes a long way with black men because black men are the most chill men in the, in the country. They, they but yet the most women. feared. But yet, and, the, and most yet the most feared. Lori, go ahead. No, I'm good. Oh, you opened your mic. I was wondering if you had a thought. Nicholas, you wanted to get in? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I do agree that it was her look because she's something new and exciting. I don't believe it's the intimidation part but i believe it's just in general she was something new and refreshing and for a lot mm. of people they're not open to being new and refreshed you know they're not open to a new face and personality to come into a leadership role not be not for men being intimidated but just people in general seeing a black person and a woman at that taking on this type of leadership role it, it may or may not be intimidation, but it, to me, it does boil down to, to fear. You know, to me, it, it boils down to just people are afraid of what they don't know and what they don't understand, whether they yeah, want to I, admit that or not. And that plays a big role in it. And so when I say intimidated, I don't mean like bullying or anything like that as, as far as, um, you know, like a Trump or something. I just mean people are put off oftentimes by by certain looks, exactly what you said, and certain looks of black women particularly. 
But even but you weren't referring to black men with that, though. Do you think that that's indicative of black men, too? Just generally speaking, if sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's fear of black men. There's fear of homosexuals. There's fear of dis disabled. Oh, no, there's fear no. of fat people. I mean, there's there's intimidation and fear of all kinds of things that it's different from what we are. So right. I, I, I hear think you. that's the problem. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I, I guess I was trying to clarify when you said that people fear her because she's different, because Nicholas was kind of saying that, too. Are you saying black men feared her because she represented something you know, of a challenge in, in a region that we typically aren't competitive. When I say we, uh, the Democratic Party, I'm, it's like I'm owning that mantle of being a Democrat. Yeah. But do, you, do you think? Do you yes, think? Yes, I think so. I think, but not just black men. But yes, I mean, I'm talking about, I want to stick with black men. I want to stick with black men because I, I know okay. I know you like us, Lori. I know you like brothers, <laughs> but I'm just saying that. Do you, do you, are you? I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying because you got brothers on this call and we can speak to it, and I want to reassure you just in case um it, i mean if there's an opportunity to to reassure you I, I want i don't want to miss this opportunity are you saying that generally you feel that in politics i guess we're talking about politics and stacy do you think that they are intimidated by stacy abrams black men forget all the other voters black yes men. yes i do okay casey phyllis brown what are your thoughts I knew you were going to try to drag me. Of course. The teams are even. It's a two-on-two -two plus me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if, it, like, I'm going to go back to Lori that with, I don't know if intimidation is a word. Like, I, I, I'm glad that she kind of moved from that word. I don't know if it's a respect thing. I don't know if sometimes if they feel, if Black men feel they're not respected, I feel that's when they get the issue. Uh, I don't agree that they're intimidated by a woman who can speak her mind or Lori, I don't think we would have been invited back to this podcast anymore. What are you trying to say? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I've said many a times, I'm like, whoop, that was the last time Rome's gonna have me on. Uh, you know. Yes, yes, power to the people. If I got the power, you got the power. We got the power, that's power to the people. And right now, the power is right here. And you're listening to my man, DJ Rome on the Psychotic Bump School. The place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. Comedy is hilarious. Look yourself in the mirror. Tell me times ain't the scariest. For me, dropping album after album like it's a various artist compilation. But it's just me and HB. And it take concentration. No, I don't drop this office or cherry. Like your daughter's graduation, kids' marriages. When the culture vultures swoop down, they start exploiting the sound. They drew up contracts for our Drew Hill to Drew down. And I'm praying they set. Instead, most artists don't live as good as the execs. And they end up depressed. Scarred by ARs, the music be changing. And the coach will be shifted So you gotta move with it Call me the party crasher That plan spoiler That Malcolm C and Maya Angelou And Ghana holding a camcorder Get a reporter Live from 40 side You know my storyline First project rapper Triple platinum with New Yorker pride King's disease Most of us catch it at one point or another But evolve Find a new formula One that takes everything in you to make The audacity masterfully crafted These classics so naturally Had to be nasty back at it they argue KD1, KD2, a magic was hard to win KD3 go harder than all of them Back in the 9-0s, barely rubbed elbows with CEOs I was dolo, I better shot y'all to see me grow And the uh-ohs are still in the 10 months industry dinners 
Had to tend to my business, go past the sky's limit The hate gon' rise quicker, so how could I manage this disadvantage? Planet Hollywood, I came from a different planet Leave it up to me to break the news you won't see on the screen Chuckle at you, cause we the last of the kings Shout to the real ones, like cause it's a shortage of scenes I'm underground and overground and it's never been seen Real counts on my streams, got real people tapping in So that's what that means, indeed It means I got nothing but the real checking in We locked in All the way Just applaud this Yeah I couldn't get out if I wanted to. All us rappers are trapped in it. We can't get out. You know what I'm saying? Till we over, till it's dead, till we in the dirt. When I'm 50 years old, I'm gonna have 50 year old fans, 60 year old fans, and 16 year old fans. Well, why do you say that? Why? You, you haven't you heard me say that before? Like I've, I have, and I'm like, what? What makes you say that? Because you, and again, maybe you guys are speaking from a place of privilege where you don't get to experience this. But as a woman, there's times when if you're too outspoken and you you express yourself, you can feel that people kind of men sometimes backing away from you. And I don't, I don't know, I don't think it's intimidation, but it's like, well, maybe I didn't, I wasn't perceived as enough of a leader. You think you're the leader, so I'm gonna move back. So yeah, I've told you a couple of times, like, oh, you're inviting me back, yay! I'm excited every time you send me a text. But but so what does that tell you though? Well, that you're fantastic, that, we that you're open-minded, <laughs> that you that that not all black men right. have issues with strong black women. Yes. Yeah, because I feel like um I think for the most part, you have black men who may have had uh overbearing mothers right and so sometimes there's a fight of i needed some freedom i need that freedom so they don't want to have somebody else kind of telling them what to do um so we feel that we get that message i there's time i'm not i can't help myself i'm going to speak my mind i try my best but it's difficult but there's a lot of people who or women who will try not to be so uh open with their thoughts because of fear of how they're going to be perceived by sometimes black men Am I going to be, you know, the too loud or another going to get somebody who's a little more agreeable? So I'm and not speaking. Yet. I love black men. Just put that out there. I love <laughs> some black men. Please don't have me out here thinking, the brother's thinking I'm not on their side. I don't know about that manosphere. I need you to tell me a little bit more about it. I don't think I'm on that, but I do love and respect my black men. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. Uh, that was the on black man's side sister, Casey Phillips Brown. <laughs> We're also joined by the incomparable Lori Peacock, who's definitely down with the brothers. We also have the good brother, Mr. Nicholas Mays out of Michigan. And of course, the good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Uh, <laughs> um, that's fascinating because I think, I mean, I need the fellas on this. I mean, I, I definitely don't intend to start a, a, a gender discussion, but since we're here, heck, why not? Um, we're not, we, okay, especially when it comes to black men, we are the most receptive and the most likely to give you the uh, the validity of your points of view if you're a black woman. There's no man on this planet better designed and equipped to manage that. And it's all in how you say things. And I remember a previous conversation, Casey, you were saying that, and and I asked you, were you being serious? Because I didn't want to, I wanted to tread lightly because you said something about I got daddy issues. And so anytime I see a strong black man doing this and that, it's like I buck up. 
You didn't say oh, those oh, words. That, oh, but, that is not what I said. Yeah, clarify, because I, I don't want to get that wrong. Go and ahead. I'm not sure if it was Lori, but it was, we were talking about um, in jobs. Okay. And so I said, I have had some jobs where I've had jobs yeah. for being my boss. And like, I, 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 it doesn't always work out. And so I will gently leave the position, right? <laughs> if I feel it's going to be me against him constantly. And I have to try to, you know, so, you know, I don't buck up with every black man. I said, only time that I've ever noticed it was in work positions. Yeah. And if my, if the owner or the director and it's like always, oh, no, you got this. Oh, no, this is not how you do it. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work well with me. I don't think the communication goes well. And I, I'm always offered a job. So I'm not ever at a loss for jobs. So I'll just slide right. on out easily. But, you yeah, know, not in, in regular relationships and other things. Uh, that's fine with me. I'm able to have a discussion and see the power differential maybe that's what it is within the workplace if, okay. if you're trying to communicate with the owner it's kind of difficult because if they're at the end of the day <laughs> that's their business right True. so they, they're gonna win so i instead of arguing i'll just you know find another job but in regular relationships i'm very open to powerful black men who lead um i love to discuss things and i can definitely be led I mean, that's what I'm, I appreciate that clarification because that makes more sense. And, and I see that I, I, I didn't, I knew you said jobs. I knew you said in a work situation last time, I, I didn't uh, make that clear this time. I, I do remember that distinction. So thank you for reminding me that I forgot to, to clarify that because that, that makes more sense because you are married. You do have sons. I know how you interact with me. I give you a hard time because, you know, that's just what I do. But the reason why it works in your case and in so many other cases, like women like you who do have a basic respect for, for men and people in general, is that you do bring a lot of levity to a conversation. And I think sometimes that that level of uh, consideration in how you interact with people isn't always uh, bespoken from people when, you know, they're in certain situations. And it's usually one of the first casualties that comes about when people are interacting with one another. And I've noticed that uh, I'll take it away from you, Casey. I noticed that when people are able to do that, generally, they have better outcomes because without that sense of levity, without that sense of uh, appreciation and the sense that, you know, it's better to work in tandem and in cooperation with people, uh, you can get so much further. You know what they say? You get more bees with honey. I mean, it's really the same thing. And I'm telling you to do that in a barbershop men are going to go at it toe to toe to toe and nobody has to do that so i don't know i i hear you and i think that's beautiful and i appreciate you seeing me that you seeing me that way but for the most part men don't have to barbershop because it's <laughs> brothers we how, how you know what you're doing in a barbershop oh you got sons i use okay. that in therapy constantly i use it um i've been talking about i use this oh, all God. the time with my couples that you know that she's like he's talked so roughly to me or he he says something so you know he, he's just so short and so I always at white, black, Mexican, whoever, I always say, hey, do you, I said, man, you go to the barbershop? They always say yes. And I say, how do you guys talk in the barbershop? You're like, uh, oh, we just talk. I said, do you guys have discussions about things? He's like, yeah. You guys say, oh, no, sir, that's not correct. Oh, pardon me. That's not what I meant to say. And everybody's mm -hmm. always like white, Latino, black, always like, no, we're like straightforward with each other. I said, we well, are. what happens? Men are fake, straightforward with each other at the barbershop and at work and then come home, want to talk to women like they're in the barbershop. Y'all leave that barbershop at home. Leave the barbershop before you come into this house. Don't bring your clippers, the little drapey thingy, the little swinging chair. Leave it all outside. Come in and talk to us in a kind, compassionate way. And that doesn't happen all the time. Jeffrey Keller? 
Yeah, but that goes both ways. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go, Jeffrey. Go, Jeffrey. <laughs> I'm just saying it goes both ways. Like you said, we, we both act differently at work than we do at home. Right? Because we know the expected expectations at work and how they perceive us in public. And so we have to fight those stereotypes. And, and so, know, yeah, go ahead, Joe. No, so I'm just saying, I, I hear what she's saying, and I agree, but I believe it goes both ways also. Because you can't talk to us like you talk when you're out with your girls. Beauty shop talk. Come on Ooh. now. I wonder so what that's it, like. It, 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 so it goes both I mean, like, ways. Tifa had it's two not, movies called Beauty Shop, good. didn't she? <laughs> right. Well, Nicholas hey, there might, there might have been two movies, and there's only been two black governors. So there you go. They go hand in hand. Ooh. Nicholas mm. Mayer. <laughs> I, I agree with, with both sides, you know, when it when it comes to how you are. See, Nicholas Mays is in a swing state. I'm sorry for cutting you off. But he's, you can tell he's from a swing state, right? He has to get along with both Republicans and Democrats in his state. Yeah, go ahead, brother. He's like, what am I getting myself into? Exactly, exactly. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I never can understand from both sides, though, what I've heard. And, and it's so mm. true on both ends is that, you know, you have to come to a mutual place when it comes to communication and, and understanding one another, because, you know, you live, we all live multiple lives. So, you know, you hear people say double lives, but you interact with your friends a certain way. You in interact with your cousins a certain way. You interact with your coworkers a certain way. So you bring multiple levels to your life and you got to know how to control and how to have a mutual place when you're doing this communication, because every area is a different place for yourself. Absolutely. Now, Nicholas and Jeff, can I talk to you all? Can I talk to the two of you cats? Definitely. Too long about, well, I mean, I, I can, but I, I'm not sure if Casey is aware of this piece of it, though, because isn't it between us, Nicholas and Jeff, isn't there like always a low level threat of potential violence if I talk too crazy to y'all? Like if I get yes, out sir. of pocket, you yeah. know what I'm saying? If I get, if I get out of pocket, and I'm just like, yeah, 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 because, you know, I'm bucking up. Um, how far is that going to go before another cat, another dude, another bro, another brother is going to take offense to that and want to maybe draw hands? Uh, yeah, but, it don't take long at all. Or, well, or go to the car. Or, or start reaching <laughs> into that bag. All right. Dude, so what do you have, have to do to keep that from happening? Say that again. So what do you have to do as a man to keep that from happening? Jeffrey Keller, you want to take that? Oh, you're going to put it on me? Thank you. <laughs> you now, usually, you well, know, I'm, I'm about to bring Lori back usually, in, too, in a second. But, usually, yeah, usually, I usually, you know how far you can go, right? That's the thing. In, 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 every, in every relationship, in, in, in every place, there's a pecking order. And you know where you're at in that pecking order. Mm. So you know how far you can go and how far you can't go. And if so you sometimes... When do you have that? Slow yeah, down. I didn't hear what you said because you cut me off. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, Jeff. I thought you were actually a stop. Go ahead and finish your stop, please. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so I guess the point was that if men know that it could, there's a potential for violence, then they, they, like you said, you know there's a pecking order, so then you maybe kind of bring it down some, and you know what to do. But when you're talking with women, do you, you don't have a fear of violence for the most part, do you? And how do you, does that mean you can talk the way you want to talk? So I guess I, I'm going mm. back to a point of, we have to be aware of there might be a, a potential for violence so we may need to bring ourselves down to keep things from going there does that make sense right but i think nowadays there's a shift where <laughs> a lot of women now 
are like, no, I'm going to speak my mind. If you don't like it, well, then we can get it up. I, I was mm -hmm. about to chime in and say, I, I've seen many yeah. women that don't have no problem with it coming to a fight. They, they don't have no problem with <laughs> going into their car and getting what they need. So into that I believe it's both sides. I don't I don't think it's just men that's always ready to go at it if things go too far. I know a lot of women that have no problem <laughs> if you hit, say the wrong thing or push the wrong button, it, it goes it's to on. another level. It's yeah. on. Lori and Casey, I, the last time I saw two men fighting, I can't even recall. Two men fighting or even just reality TV. I mean, we're, we're I'm constantly. Well, I don't watch TV anymore, I'm, I'm, but you know what I'm saying? It's like I don't see that. I see, you know, in, when, in my days when I was doing the club, it's like every time somebody was getting thrown out. Yeah, there was some drunk dudes here and there, but actually throwing hands, they were throwing women out. And I was trying to understand this, this, this low key concern that men are more prone you you ladies aren't saying this but we understand the line and that's why it doesn't get to that point when men talk to each other with that barbershop talk that you're talking about casey phillips brown but the notion is that women don't respect that same line and they often cross it uh commonly with men because they don't have to worry about that because men generally use a lot of restraint when it comes to sisters because again we are very patient generally speaking I'm saying that line isn't always there from women to men. Lori, what are your thoughts? You might be patient, Rome, but that doesn't mean that men in general are patient. So you're you, saying that Lori, the... Right, preach. Go ahead. <laughs> I uh, mean, come on. I, I, there's a lot speaking. of creeps out there. There's a lot of creeps out there that do horrible things in their relationships to their partners on the regular. True. Physical, mental, emotional. I mean, you know, it's not... It's what not percentage? like one or two. It's a, it's a big percentage. It's a huge percentage. And That's as far perfect. as the violence, I don't think that the violence is appropriate on any side at any time. I don't think anybody should result to anything should get to that point. And whereas you fear like, you know, you're dealing with your, your, your fellow brothers and you got to talk about this stuff and be, be afraid that things could get ugly. You know, as women, we have to worry about women and men you know and we put ourselves in situations where you think you're okay with a man and you know and you're not so it, it's it we all have our struggles that we have to deal with and it's unfortunate that there has to be this chasm this divide like between black male issues and black female issues when they should just be black issues right like we have these issues that we deal with as black people and it makes it hard for us to to exist on a daily basis and we should support each other in that rather than be more divisive I do agree with that. And I think that's where Jeff was coming from when he mentioned that 84% of the voters of, among black men voted for Stacey Abrams. I mean, 84% is higher than what Joe Biden got. He got 80% of the black male vote. So we're there. But what commonly happens is I actually agree with what you said, Lori, there should be more unity. But when they talk about speaking to the electorate, the black demographic voter, they're generally talking about women first. And Black men are sort of an afterthought and black men have kind of gotten used to that. But when it comes to the percentage, I want to come. Lori, turn your mic back on. I have a question. <laughs> what percentage of black men do you think are more like me, Jeff and Nicholas? I know you don't know Nicholas well, except for this show, but, you know, 10, Jeff a little bit, 20, 30. So not, maybe 30. She, that's three different ranges. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I yeah, 
It's less than 30. Less than, <laughs> but I'll go up to what's 30. The it's a rise in mm-hmm. violence uh, towards Black women. And there's organizations all across the country. I want the number. She gave me a number. Okay, it's I'm like zero to 30. I'm whole pro- program on it, um, a project on it right now. And I was looking at the... Um, the foundation last night is it the Ujima here in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. they're focused on decreasing the uh, violence that's uh, perpetuated between um, perpetrated towards from black men towards uh, black I women. Know, and I know, I know you guys. I'm, I've been surrounded by positive black men all my life. Elementary school friends are still my friends now, and I, I love them. I'm trying to get the number though. Uh, it no. doesn't have to be research. I'm just trying to get a general sense of. Lori said less than thirty. But that's a big range. What what percentage of black men do you think are doing that? I'm gonna get you a that. Give me a guess. Less than ten percent. Mm, it's. Uh, oh. okay, one second. So, uh, it sounds like a small number. It's a uh, violence survey nationally: forty-five percent of black women experience contact or sexual violence, physical violence, by intimate partner in the black community. So that's forty-five percent mm-hmm. right there. And that was, and that, and it's grown. This was from 2010, 2012. And that was 45%. Well, that, okay. I'm not looking at that, but does that, that's IPV, right? Intimate partner violence. So black in the men, black community. In the black community, right? Yes. Okay. So that means that black men are just as susceptible to that as women are. I've read a study like that before, but as IPV refers to both black men and women, they're more susceptible compared to other races to intimate partner violence amongst each other. But it doesn't, I don't think it's saying that black women are more prone. I think 45% pertains to both of them. So anyway, uh, I'm not sure if that's the case and I'll have to look deeper into that, but I've looked at that issue a little bit and I don't think that uh, there's a, a full vetting of the the general of the I'm talking I'm not talking about the ones that actually do the dirt because I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that there is some untoward behavior from brothers to sisters. Okay, I'm not even going to begin to suggest that it doesn't happen. It does, and it needs to stop, and it ain't cool because brothers like myself, Jeff and Nicholas, we don't play that. It ain't cool. All right, but we know. And nobody on this call, Lori and Casey, they're not saying it's not the majority of black men. I know you're not saying that, but I'm saying that it's it's a very small minority where this is happening. And the general consensus is that there's more brothers closer on the spectrum to the cats that are on this conversation right here, like Nicholas and Jeff and myself. We are more attuned to the majority of the good quality brothers that are out there compared to what is commonly spoken about. But then what women are are you guys with, right? Like, are you with black women? Or are you with white women? There are good black, black women out there, but that doesn't, yes, I, I know. But I am just. No, go ahead, finish your question. I cut you I'm off. Just I'm saying, sorry. No, 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 you're right. I, I know, I know. I'm just saying there's a, there are good black men out there. There are, are plenty of good black men out there. A lot of times those black men do not want to be with black women for whatever reason that might exist. What do you think the reason? No, I married a black woman. I got a son by a black woman. So I don't know. know. Nicholas Mays, married? Yeah, definitely. I I, I married a black woman as well. Casey Phillips Brown? I mean, I know you didn't marry a black woman, but (laughs) you married to a brother, right? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So 
I think um, there, yeah, there's, there's, man, this is a conversation for uh, uh, another day for sure. Uh, we're coming to the edge of time. And since we're talking so deeply about relationships, uh, let's talk about Nick Cannon. Because <laughs> 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 I was going to talk about Black Panther. Y'all go see that movie. Um, I'm just going to say, uh, I think on this panel right now, only Casey and I have seen it. I was going to spoil a whole lot more, but we're close on time. And the conversation got a little uh, juicy with this whole relationship thing. But real quick, I want to talk about Nick Cannon, Casey, but you saw Black Panther. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm glad we're not talking about it and everyone hasn't seen it. I would right. really want to wait until everyone can give their full opinion. That's I fair. just want to say that I enjoyed it. I've seen it once, seeing it again today. Had The only reason I couldn't see it yesterday is because I really have some work to do. But um, it to me, it is a beautiful tribute to the life of Chadwick Boseman, as well as a tribute and love letter to us as Black people. I feel like the the message, you know, you're in the middle, you're trying to make a second movie, your star dies unexpectedly. All mm -hmm. of them were while they're doing this. So you can feel yes. the grief and the love throughout the entire movie. And like I was telling my son, the, the Blackness, the idea of we are who we have, your family, the importance of family, the importance of your ancestors. You're never alone. Your ancestors are all with you. Mm. We take care of each other. I think that's the message that was continually given throughout this uh, movie and this franchise. And I think um, what's, it's the setting us up for the next movie. I think people have to give it some grace because yeah. no, it didn't, you know, as a Marvel film, it could have been a lot more fine. But I think for the most part, it gave us this opportunity to grieve the loss of a man who really touched a lot of us and touched our culture and then set us up for the next one. I know there's some think pieces out there about how there was too much women, where's the black men, we don't have enough of the black men. I completely disagree with that. So I would love to yeah. talk about this later after everyone has seen it. Yeah, I, I will agree. go see it today just because I know she wants me to see it. There you go. <laughs> right on. Rome should see sparkle. Thank you. Rome should see sparkle. Yeah, absolutely. I, I told you, uh, I, I'm down with that uh, YouTuber uh, to a certain extent, Casey. I think she's got it wrong uh, with that because that whole point, uh, again, without spoiling, that the whole movie was about Chadwick. You know, I mean, it was a long movie. It was barely any mention of him after a certain point, but it was all about him. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, before I let y'all go, uh, believe it or not, Nick Cannon is having another baby. <laughs> um, he just gave birth to baby number 11, and he's got number 12 on the way. And uh, Lori, uh, it's not just um, that he's having another baby. He's saying that, um, I, guess, I don't know, I guess he basically can't help himself. I don't know what to <laughs> say about a serial reproducer like Nick Cannon. But uh, Laurie and I have gone back and forth about whether or not it's uh, more culpability on his side versus the women's side. Uh, I don't know how recently this conversation is, but he's got number baby, baby 12 on the way. Uh, this is what he had to say about it recently. Stand by. Hey, I love it. Thank you. So what's the song about? Uh, where I am right now in my life, yeah. personally, that's my personal music. Let me move it forward a little bit. He's going to talk about relationships. Stand by. It's therapeutic. Yeah. But do you see yourself in a relationship long term down the line? Ah, yeah. Ah, I would say I'm damaged goods. And people say, why do you always say that? But actually, like when you come out of you know a serious relationship or even just where I am, like I'm so focused on career and being the best father that I can be. 
that you can't be good at everything. So like, I, I feel like I suffer in the relationship department. I was like, I don't like doing anything I'm not good at. And I'm definitely not good at being in relationships. So Lori C, he took some responsibility there and he served notice to every woman that comes after Mariah Carey from this point forward that he is not good in relationships. Lori, he's having baby number 12 after just uh, having number 11. Uh, I'll give you the first bite of this apple, Lori Peacock. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I believe he's got two women currently pregnant at yep. the same time right now. So I think it's either 12 and 13 or 11 and 12. I, I can't mm -hmm. keep track. Of, right. the, of the baker's dozen that's going on in the Cannon household. <laughs> but what I do um, appreciate is, you know, he acknowledges that, uh, that he's not good at relationships and clearly he's very good at sex. Um, so, mm. you know, I think that, I think that's kind of a, a cop out, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not good at relationships, but I'm really good at, at getting women pregnant and having lots and lots and lots and lots of sex with lots of different women. Um, I, you mm. know, I, I just, I, First of all, it's not safe, right? You're, you're sleeping with all these different women and you're not using protection and that's not safe as far as diseases. But also, I mean, at some point, I think there is a level of responsibility to to the people that we bring into this world as parents. And, um, you know, I, I, I can only imagine how busy his schedule is. I can only imagine how much time he spends working and, you know, taking your kid to Disneyland once a month um, to me isn't isn't sufficient father being a father. And not that every father has to be in the household to be a good father, but when you have multiple households, how you're spreading yourself really, really thin. And those kids are, are going to suffer as a result, maybe not financially, but most likely emotionally. Yeah, they're saying he's going to be paying like $3 million a year in child support now. But he's part of the elite group of men that is a serial reproducer. And I was half serious and half playing with you, Lori, when I was saying that serial reproducers tend to be the kind of men that a lot of women want, not all. But a lot of women want that guy. They want that guy. They want the guy with the, the swagger, I guess. They want the guy that a lot of women admire because they want to be the standout person that maybe turns him around. Uh, I'm not saying it's cool, but women. the Oh, man, I'm about to get in trouble. Nicholas and Jeff, but do Nicholas and Jeff, I'm gonna turn to that's how I get out of trouble. I turn to y'all. <laughs> do you think the majority <laughs> of women want these kind of guys, Nicholas and Jeff? Uh, uh oh, I lost Nicholas and Jeff with that one. <laughs> oh, no, I'm here, man. I'm just uh, I'm just thinking, you know, he's trying to create a football team. I'm like, go ahead, Nick. Do you have <laughs> uh, he's he's got his <laughs> squad for sure. Do what you do, man. I could barely handle one, but if you could do 12, go ahead, man. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. That's your business. It ain't my business. You want to have 15? That's between you and the women you're sleeping with. I ain't got <laughs> no comment on that. If they want to have number 13, that's up to her. Mm. <laughs> that ain't up yeah. to Nick. If she want to have number 14, that's up to her. That's not up to Nick. You think he's going to stop at 12? No. 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 <laughs> I just said 13, 14. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Mays, go ahead. You find a, a woman for for all any type of man you know you can like so it's not just women wanting him but you got different types of men that different that women want and at the same time he he's like a, a meal ticket in a way mm. you know because soon as they get impregnated now he has to send x amount of dollars based on how much he brings in so now now he's sending money that can take care of them not saying these women want it 
to and it may be some that do but not saying they purposely wanted to get a meal ticket out of him by getting pregnant but you know they slept with him and this is what it led to so mm. yeah it's it's i don't know it's it's a woman's you got women that for all types of men and, and you know he's a celebrity so of course it's going to be numerous women that want to hook up with him and you know just the date with him not purposely trying to change him but mm-hmm. wanting to be in a relationship go out on a date experience his life and next thing you know you know you the most is getting involved or you just get attracted to one another lay down and you know you're pregnant you said something very correct they want to live his life mm-hmm. and when i played in the nfl and i've been to about 10 nba all-star games with my buddy was very high up in the nba i've seen so many women Try and sleep with these dudes because they wanted to change their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Casey, let me get your take before we go. Uh, do you feel sorry for the women or poor old Nick Cannon? Casey Phillips Brown, let me land with you. I don't have a true opinion. I believe they grown and they're going to do what they want to do. Um, my only thought is I pray that these children get the feel the love that they need to feel to be uh, yeah. beautiful, productive members of our, our of our family, right? Because we're all family. I just hope that happens. Some people never get to see their father or they see him once a year and they still have this connection. I hope and pray that he's able to create something that everyone can get mm-hmm. their needs met. That's, that's all I got on this one. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet. At the intersection of funk and soul, my name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time, and it repeats again on Friday evenings from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, Lori Peacock, Jeffrey Keller, Casey Phillips-Brown, and the good brother, Mr. Nicholas Mays. Also want to send a very, very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Don't forget to support this runoff election happening in Georgia. Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock. Make sure you vote, ladies and gentlemen, and keep your eye on that race. We'll see you next time. Take care.